tell you Kansas State, it's the number two team in the country. The number two team in the country. Not for long. I uh, I have a prediction, Josh. I have a – I got to be careful stealing TJ's gut here. I don't want to get fined. But I think Oklahoma's going to win tonight. I think it's going to be a good game. There are two former Sooners on the Kansas State roster. One of them plays regularly. One of them does not. And that's always kind of – that's always an awkward thing. It doesn't happen very often, right? Um, it, it happened a lot in softball last year. But that's just because there's so many good players that come to Oklahoma and like a Zeta Pooney that and a Kinsey Donahue that, you know, they have a role, but they want more. And look at Zeta Pooney. She went to Tennessee and has become one of the best players in the SEC. Played, made the World Series. But that happened very often. Not happened very often for Oklahoma. So, well, Gabby Gregory tonight for Kansas State coming in town. But I cannot – I'm not above begging, people. I'm not above begging. I think this has a chance to be a great night with an awesome atmosphere. Get out there, Oklahoma and Kansas State, 6 p.m. tip. Um, did you follow uh, – and, and, again, we got more on OU's win over Kansas State coming up in 10 minutes from now. We're going to hit the best, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. You heard from Porter Moser, I think – I don't know how you felt, Josh, in listening to Porter. I think there was a part of him that was maybe as confused as everyone else where you're like, wait, we won by 20 and we missed how many free throws? And we shot that poorly from the three-point line? All right, we'll take it. And Uh, and especially early, right? He said we had a chance to jump on these guys, and and ultimately they did, but uh, it could have been more pronounced. Right. Oh, exactly. So all, all that is on the podcast if you missed it. But we'll also be going a little bit more in-depth as the show rolls on. So, Josh, i got to know, did you get to nerd out on any of the Senior Bowl stuff yesterday? Not really. Uh, What what have I missed? Tyler Guyton's been the hit of camp. If you want to call, I say camp. He's been the hit of practice. And the quarterbacks have struggled a bit. Now, yesterday wasn't necessarily the, the shine day for quarterbacks. But uh, it, it appears as if some of the concerns with Penix magnified, some of the concerns with Bo Nix magnified. But I'm telling you right now, Tyler Guyton, feel how you want, think how you think. Josh, he's knocking on the door of being a top 10 pick right now. Top and 10? Top 10. There are 10 to 11 offensive linemen that are going to go in the first round of this draft. 10 to 11. Every time, every time you hear about Tyler Guyton, you hear about what? The potential, the upside, the the unknown ceiling, right? Because there's still, in a lot of people's minds, more to, to gain, more to get, more to grow from. So... It, that's I, not my words, okay? I don't think, I don't think he's going to be a top ten pick. Chris Plank does not think he's going to be a top ten pick. But Josh Helmer, I do think, I do think that there is a great possibility that he goes much higher than any of us could have ever imagined. Really? Wow. 
That's high praise. Not from me, but from everyone who's talking about him. Now, I thought a lot about a text that came into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line yesterday. And it's I, – I, I don't know if we truly answered it. I gave my opinion. I don't know if many people bought it. But the question was, is the lack of cracking the lineup late after Guyton had an injury last year and seeing Jacob Sexton get the start at right tackle – should that raise some red flags for teams, or is it something more to do with Oklahoma? And I thought about it, and I reached out to a few people, and it, it was basically what we had said was their theory, too. I, what, again, one of those people was not Brent Venables, nor was it Bill Beanbow, did he tell me. But the, the sense that I got is could he if, if they were 10-0 and going into their final two games – might we have seen him try to tough it out? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it, you know, at that point you're, what, 8-2, and two, and you want to win both games, but Jacob Sexton is playing well, and Jacob Sexton is probably the future at one of those sides. I mean, is it, is it fair looking back at that to just simply say there, there doesn't have to be more to the story? It can just be as simple as, hey, he wasn't quite where he needed to be, and Jacob Sexton had played well. It doesn't mean it's a red flag for either side. It's just that's the direction Oklahoma went, and Tyler Guyton's making the most of his opportunity to show scouts that it was nothing anti him or Oklahoma right now. It sounds like, from uh, what I can gather from you, that it's not going to affect him that much at all. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it was negative for Guyton, and uh, – give him a chance to, to heal up, and ultimately Oklahoma gained something out of it, right, which is more snaps for Sexton. Right, more snaps for Sexton. Now, um, I still haven't heard back to shift from the Senior Bowl to Garen Hatchett. I still haven't heard back, Josh, much on Hatchett and kind of how he is viewed. I am wowed, though, by some who aren't buying that his brother is staying at Washington. Is this fan fiction right now, or is this a possibility, you think, from what you guys have heard? I mean, right now I think he's staying. <laughs> now, uh, could that change when we get to the, the spring portal? Okay, maybe. But uh, r- right now it sounds like uh, he made the decision to stay, does it not? Yeah. That's why – and, again, like I said, I don't know where this is coming from. Right? I, I try to follow the tea leaves. I try to dig. I don't know how things go viral. I don't know where they come from. But – in this instance, it seemed to be everywhere that's like, all right, now little brother's going to come with him too. And by that, it's not some sort of smart aleck take. It's just it's his little brother. But I, I kind of felt like – I kind of felt, Josh, that is pretty set, that Oklahoma's got the offensive lineman out of the portal that they had wanted. And if there's another ad, I, I kind of think it might be a bit of a surprise, to be honest with you. It seems like the younger brother's going to stay in Washington, and that's that. Yeah, you, you've obviously added four and uh, got some tackle help, got uh, multiple interior offensive linemen, and signed a bunch, as we discussed yesterday. So probably, at least up front, you would think uh, the work is going to be done for right. Oklahoma. Now, depending on what the shuffling of the deck looks like between now and and that spring season, and that includes people making a decision if they do to leave Oklahoma, does that open up a sense of urgency somewhere 
other than offensive line. I think it would probably be somewhere other than offensive line the next couple of places OU would look, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I I still think I still think there is a need for something more in the interior of the defensive line, right? And I you know, that's what was our joke for the longest time that everyone wanted in the NBA? We need to get a scoring big man. We need to get a scoring big man. Where's the scoring big man? Everybody wanted a scoring big man. <laughs> now he kind of moved on. It's like, can he shoot a three? I, I, I'm not going to like him unless he can shoot a three. So that's kind of where we are right now. Ryan Ron Drossick, ladies and gentlemen. But um, everyone wants a good interior player on the defensive line. Those guys get it. They're asking for a lot of money in the portal, and I don't really know if there's anyone out there right now, Josh, or even that could pop out in the spring, and you're like, yeah, there we go. That's my guy. You never know, right? Alabama could have a couple of dudes that decide this ain't for them after the spring, same at Washington, same at Arizona, but I'm not expecting that to be an area to where you're going to get better in the portal you know, magically because everyone's looking for it. Everybody's looking for it, and – there's going to be a finite set of options, you would think, right? I mean, there's already a finite set of options, but uh, you don't expect there to just be this avalanche of talented defensive tackles entering the transfer portal at the end of the spring. But, hey, we'll see where the dominoes fall, and maybe a situation arises and presents itself that uh, makes sense and could be additive and uh, beneficial for both parties involved once we get there. But right now – I kind of am existing in the world that we're pretty close to finished for what uh, the roster construction side is going to look like. So, gosh, that is the best way to put it. Here it is, Team 130. You know, barring any portal exits, and I I, I know everyone's like, they're over their scholarship numbers, so it's got to be – listen, I hate to be that guy, but they find a way anymore. <laughs> it's like, hey, listen, Tommy, we're gonna, you're gonna be a walk-on this semester, but you're gonna be taken care of with this influx of NIL money because every walk-on's getting money too, right? I mean, it's just, I, I understand that we'll, and I haven't even checked the text line. I'm sure there's people that's like, no, it's not set because of the scholarship numbers. I mean, as long as you don't have like. 300 people out there running around, I, I I, don't think that numbers are going to be an issue. Now, that's not to say, Josh, I don't expect a few people to leave in the spring. I think it's kind of natural. But I've never seen, outside of Jordan Addison, have we still had a major spring portal moment. We haven't. And maybe this year is different. Because of Alabama, Washington, and the timing of Michigan, we finally saw a Michigan player go in the portal yesterday. But I I don't think it's going to be as big as some people think. Now, here's a question I do have for you, Josh. As we welcome you into the Plank Show on a Wednesday, I'm live from the annual OU softball coaches luncheon. If uh, Coach Gasso gets here in time, maybe she'll jump on with us for a little bit. We'll see. I didn't ask. This is my way of asking, Coach. If you're listening while you're driving in, could you come on with us? What are you making of this Tennessee story? Could could this be something? Because it's Tennessee, Florida State, Florida. But what we've learned now is that the <laughs> the story apparently is it's basically penalizing them 
for violations that were made when what the the rules weren't necessarily in quote unquote place. Here's what Pete Thamel wrote about it: the scope and breadth of the current allegations include the potential for the enforcement staff to charge multiple level one and level two violations. The case revolves around activity related to the Spire Sports Group, which is Tennessee's primary NIL collective. The case is fundamentally tied to football, but the Spire Sports Group sponsors athletes in other sports. Tennessee has pushed back. In their letter obtained by ESPN, their chancellor, Donde Plowman, said that the claims are factually untrue and procedurally flawed. And he called the NCAA rules regarding NIL intellectually dishonest in how they are written. Boy, that is uh, – that's a phrase right there. This is this is one of those moments. There, Kenny Mossman taught me a lot. And a lot of times, Kenny, I'm, I'm saying this on the air, and I, I'd say it to you as well. Whenever you would tell me things about the NCAA and what their job is – there was a part of me that was always like, okay, yeah, right, sure. But I, because my point is, everyone wants to say, my gosh, look at the NCAA. <laughs> Just trying to, like, be their own thing. And what Kenny tells me always has resonated even more, especially with, like, the third, second and third transfer rules that have started to just become irrelevant. The NCAA acts on the issues and the direction of its member institutions. And it's funny because we say, y'all got to get a handle on NIL, right? And then when they start stepping up to do something about NIL, what do we say? Well, they're clueless. They got no idea what's going on. Now that what was the term that was used, Josh? Factually untrue and procedurally flawed. And intellectually dishonest. (laughs) I mean – There are, I would imagine, hundreds of chancellors and ADs that have gone to Charlie Baker and have talked to the NCAA and said things along the lines of, we got to slow down this multiple transfer rule or we got to do something about NIL. And every single time they do, they they end up stepping in it. And they just become the bad guy. So... Kenny, thank you for that education because I'm seeing it now more than ever. And I think the story that opened my eyes was the multiple transfer rule to where you're like, wait a minute. Everyone was fighting against this. And now all of a sudden, West Virginia wins one court hearing and it's it's wide open all again. I mean, the, the NCAA just can't win. They can't win. And, you know, the uh, – the Attorney General, according to the super secret Textoso line, Josh, this has gone so deep that the Attorney Generals of Tennessee and Virginia have filed a complaint against the NCAA this morning. It's just, it's hilarious. The NCAA is doing what everyone tells them to do, right? I'm not, listen, I'm going to make this very clear. I'm not here to stand for the NCAA, Josh. I'm not here to, but their job is to, try to put in place rules that are set by their member institutions. 
And they're in charge of bringing it all together, like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. And when they do, and they try to do something about NIL and just this absolute crazy free market we've got right now, what happens? They end up in court. I mean, good luck, Itzy. That's a job I would never want. Everyone's like, I want to be the commissioner of football. Here's what I would do. Yeah, okay. So you do that, and then it would make one program mad, and they'd have you in court. Well, then I would kick him out. Now, okay, good luck with that. You know, it's just, it's kind of funny. But my point in bringing it up is not meant to go on that kind of circular rant and people don't really understand, I think, the role of the NCAA. They're the bad guy, but yet they're always in court trying to do the work of their member institutions. Back to the point. Could something like this start to slow down those enticements into the portal? If you see that the NCAA is is trying to get its groove back and is going to be an instant uh, uh, an institution that's going to be about enforcing rules Josh Helmer that might at the very least try to slow down some of the hey buddy get in the portal here we got six figures for you to come play at USC or UCLA or Tennessee or whatever in any way, could, or or is the pushback against it enough to where it's just the NCAA is going to have to say, see, see, this is what happens. And I kind of think there's a part of me that this is what the NCAA wants. They want to say, you tell us to do this, and every time you tell us to do this, what happens? You end up, we end up in court from another institution or another entity. Maybe they're proving just how, pointless their role truly is because the member institutions can't make up their mind what they want and what they don't want yeah <laughs> well everybody, yeah, that's, right. that's every, a very convoluted every, layout everybody wants everybody wants uh, everybody else to be policed but they don't want to be policed right right i mean that's basically what this boils down to uh, i thought this was interesting from the the story here a source familiar with the ncaa space told this to espn Quote, I'd say there's a real uptick in NIL cases, portal issues. They are the two main areas of enforcement, staff, inquiry. (laughs) And those go hand-in-hand a lot of times. The NIL money is being used as transfer bait, end quote, which we all know, right? But uh, now what's going to happen here? Uh, You know, the – the Michigan things may be a little bit different, right? It's sort of on its own plane, though it'll be interesting to see what the enforcement or punishment is there from the NCAA. But this with Tennessee, Florida State, Florida, I mean, what what's going to really happen here? Do they send a message? Does it hold up? Right. And then is there any sort of aftermath effect of it? Because meanwhile, you've got uh, Baker in the NCAA that has a proposal on the table that uh, basically is going to, I mean, don't you kind of get the impression it's going to take the NCAA out of enforcing any of this with uh, it's going to revolutionize the game? Yeah, yeah, it's going to revolutionize the game. So I, I've said this many times, Josh. I don't know if these are last gasps by the NCAA to basically say we can still be an enforcement arm, or if it's basically them saying this is why we can't be an enforcement arm. And now that might be a level of thinking that is – what's the best way to put it? That might be a level of thinking that's above <laughs> some of the mindsets but I feel like th- that are in power right now. 
But I feel like if I was at an NC, if I was the chair of the NCAA, I would be like, I don't even know what we're doing. Because every single time we try to do anything, people push back against us. So there's always the bad guy, but we can't afford to be in court nonstop like we're going to have to be to fight this. Uh, here, here's a couple of notes, by the way. And, again, we're not standing for the NCAA here. We're just bringing up a couple perspectives. Well, and that's that's a good point, just financially. You and I and probably most people would say, okay, well, if you're going to crack down on this thing, crack down on this thing. Don't pick just Tennessee or Florida State. Go after everybody, right? As many cases as you can, but all of a sudden you got 60 schools taking you to court and you got a serious problem. The biggest mistake the NCAA made, the biggest mistake they made was, and this was the previous regime, was to just tap out when NIL started. I've said it a thousand times. If you've ever played blackjack, when there's a new dealer that comes in, they, they put their hands out, they... They clap their hands, and they move on, and they say thank you. And I felt like that's what the NCAA did with NIL. And maybe at the time you look back, it was strategic because they realized they're not going to be able to police this thing. They don't have the resources. But now here's Tennessee. Here's Tennessee. And, I, and I'm willing to bet. You know, I, I bet I could get someone really smart on here like Andy Staples. And they'd be like, well, no, no, no. Here's where the NCAA screwed up. Right, and, and this is why the NCAA is bad in this. But they're just doing what they're asked to do and what they're told to do and what they're charged to do. I mean, if, if I was charged every single day to come in here on this radio show and talk about, let's just say, Sooner football. Like, I, I, I feel like we kind of are, right? We talk about OU football every single day. This relates to OU football. And if every single day when I came in to talk about OU football, then Casey and Brian Vineyard, our bosses, came in and was like, I don't appreciate you spending your whole show talking about OU football. You're like, wait, what? That's kind of what's happening here. I mean, the NCAA is the chronic bad guy. Always, right? But their member institutions are saying, fix NIL. Do something. We need help. And then when they go out and they try to police it, where do they end up? In court. Do they pick the wrong places to go after? Probably. But they're the most glaring cheaters. All right, I'm off my soapbox. I just wonder what it's going to do as far as affecting the spring portal session, Josh. That's all I want to know. Sure. I think that's, that's all I care asking. about. everybody's asking. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Jenny Baranchek is getting ready for a big home game tonight. We'll hear from the OU women's basketball head coach next right here on The Ref. A week from today, Josh. A week from today, I'll be on a flight to Puerto Vallarta. Now, in a very odd twist, in eight days from today, I'll actually be starting the broadcast (laughs) because first pitch between Oklahoma and Utah Valley is set for 10.30 a.m. on that Thursday. 10.30 a.m. The Sooners will play at 10.30 and 1. And then on Friday, they only have one game. That's the 8.30 p.m. game. Now, I am going to do everything I can to get a connection so we'll be able to do the show that day because what am I going to do? Like sit around a hotel all day long? Get a little Mai Tai. I can't, I can't even enjoy myself because there's a game that night. I'll be nervous about it. 
Uh, and the Sooners will turn around and play Long Beach State on Saturday at 1. So we've got we got softball right around the corner, and that's where we are today. We are at the OU Softball Coaches Luncheon in downtown Oklahoma City. Meanwhile, tonight, inside the Lloyd Noble Center, Ginny Baranchek and the Oklahoma Sooners women's basketball team looks to stay hot at 6 o'clock against Kansas State. Get out, be loud, be supportive. Yesterday, Coach Baranchek on this program talked about her system and how it's starting to come together with this roster. For, for our style and our system, the way that we play, we don't have – uh, you know, one high volume shooter. Right. We we might have right. you know Skyler might shoot fifteen times in a game, but she's not averaging thirty shot attempts. And you know, I think there's a there's a difference in because there's some games she might shoot nine times, right? And so uh, that's one thing that this team does have, and and that's part of the style of the play that we have is we want to be able to have five people that are scoring threats at all time because. When you look at Lexi, she's obviously playing so well at Texas. Well, then because of that, then Kansas is going to adjust to that, and Kansas is going to guard her in a certain way, which then opens up something for somebody else. So that's what we want. We want to have that balance. Now, I'd love her to shoot really well every game and be able to knock them all down and 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 uh, be able to even get those opportunities, but also I love that they're so invested in the team that they just play to each other's strengths a lot. Now, we're not there yet, but we are we are getting closer and closer. Three big games tonight, but obviously the biggest one is right here in Norman. Kansas State, number two in the country, travels to take on OU. By the way, big game tomorrow night, too. Texas is at Baylor. But as it stands right now, Josh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's knocking on the door of the top spot in the Big 12 yet again with a win tonight. Uh, they would be just, I guess, essentially a half game back of Kansas State. Kansas State is 20-1 and one overall. You know who their only loss was to, right, Josh? Yep, they beat them and then uh, lost to them in the rematch. Uh, lone loss to Iowa. That's right. Beat them the first time, lost to them again. They won 14 straight games heading into tonight's game as Kansas State. They're 9-0 and in conference play. Oklahoma is 7-1. and so the Sooners have a half-game lead over West Virginia, who, by the way, West Virginia just beat <laughs> – oh, my gosh. West Virginia just beat – barely got by UCF last night, Josh. 84-43. to Yeah, it was tight, wasn't it? That's a close one. But Oklahoma has a chance to improve to 8-1 and move right, right nipping on the heels against Kansas State tonight. It's a big one, man. Oh, it's huge for the conference race, and uh, you got to defend home court against a Kansas State team that doesn't have a lead. couple of notes real quick on Kansas State. Sole possession of first place, their 14-game winning streak, which, by the way, does not include the TCU forfeit, is the second-longest active winning streak, only trailing South Carolina. And Kansas State is one of two teams in the Big 12 with at least four wins against AP Top 25 teams. And can I, can I pull up one more? I'm sorry, Josh. There was one more I wanted to play here, and it was uh, Ginny B on We've Got to Be Better because Oklahoma's played well. They've played well, but they haven't played their best ball at home. Their best games have been road trips at BYU, at Austin, and now Coach Bronchek wants to see this team play better at home. We've got to get better, and we've got to be able to play a variety of defenses 
And not only that, we have to be able to adjust on the defensive end as games go. So we've got to continue to get better. And, and quite, quite honestly, we want to play better at home. That's what we need to do is be able to step on that floor at home and defend that because we've had some great crowds. We've had some great energy in this arena, and we want to continue to have that. I know there's a lot of people that will be able to come tomorrow, so it's going to be a great environment. And we just need to be able to have fun playing because that's why people come out and watch this team is they have a lot of fun playing. There you go. Six o'clock tonight, Soonersports.com slash tickets, or you can get them when you uh, get there at the box office. I think it's going to be a great crowd. I think it's going to be a fun night. Be there, support this team. It's going to be a blast. You want to hit the text line when we come back, Josh? I would love to do just that. All right. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on here. Garrett on. I've got until 11.10 a.m. Are you good with that? Sure. All right. Let's get a break. It's Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Hour number two. We are back. He, ladies and gentlemen. He's Chris Plank. I'm Josh Elmer. We call this the Plank Show right here. It's on the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Hour number two, proudly brought to us by Allison Insurance. Give Bob and Robert Allison a call, 405-745-2968, where they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, HSAs, uh, so much more. They got you covered, allisoninsurance.com. To the text line we go, that would be the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439 william the innkeeper <laughs> it's a tremendous actually name own an inn? I, I yeah i, I don't know all right I, all right I, i'm here for you that's good need more info uh william the innkeeper probably not getting any spring transfer portal players from the sec schools as they would have to sit a year per sec rules yeah that's true but like i said it's not just alabama right it's washington it's michigan it's arizona Uh, You don't just have to have a coaching change, I think, for someone to go through a spring session and say, this wasn't for me. Uh, Assistant coaching changes, I think, or, you know, if you've got your mindset that you want DJ Hicks as an Oklahoma Sooner at some point in his career, uh, the first – what's the best way to put this? The first hurdle uh, was not cleared (laughs) because he uh, seems to like – what uh, Elko's bringing, Mike Elko's bringing to A&M. But you never know. Maybe it just doesn't jive once he gets out on the field with a new position coach. So, um, and again, that would be an SEC school, so I don't know how that would work, right, if he would have to sit out or not. I'm just using it as an example because it's more than just a coaching change, Josh. Keep an eye on – and, I'm, again, I, I think for the diehards, I'm not breaking any news here, but you're keeping your eye on more than just a head coach that's gone somewhere else. The uh, NCAA ain't Stella. They will not get their groove back, Blank. That is uh, from Gunny of Stutzman's Army. It is It is kind of wild, is it not, how we have just positioned the NCAA as the ultimate bad guy in everything. And I think every single school has a story. Every school. every Every blue blunt has a story. You know the one to me that for some reason sticks with Oklahoma recently? is how they dragged their feet on Jamal Brown's eligibility. I don't know why, but that's – and I remember we would talk about it so much back in the day. But Justin, you know, his eligibility – there's a couple of others along the way, and it's like, what's going on here? Are they eligible or not? But it's just – 
That's right, I do. But it's just it's one of those things where when you think about it, Josh, it is it is nonstop. It is nonstop with the battle between fans, certain universities, and how they view the role of the NCAA. And that's just – that's why I think it's dying. That's why I think it's – and I do think – you know, I've, can I share something off the super secret text line real Please. quick before we get back? This was good. If this person wants their name attached to it, they can uh, absolutely let me know. He or she writes – People don't even understand the rule of the NCAA. All right, let me rephrase that. People don't understand the role of the NCAA. Not even the coaches, and it cracks me up. Here are the rules that we formed as a member body, and the NCAA, please go enforce these rules. But then, hey, wait a second. You're enforcing the rules we set and agreed upon too well. Stop it. You're breaking the law. The best part is that these institutions are, in a way, paying the legal fees for the very entity that they're suing. And OU fans have bashed Joe C. for how he has managed NIL for OU and put a cap on it. Yet with all these investigations coming in, he looks like a genius because I doubt OU ends up in trouble. And look at all the resources. By the way, that was from someone not affiliated with OU too. And look, Josh, at all the resources then a school like Tennessee is now having to commit to fight this. And... How does it affect things for them going forward? You might say, oh, this is BS. This is fundamentally illegal what the NCAA is doing. That's fine. Well, they're not going anywhere for now. So here's what the fight is going to look like. Here is the amount of time you're going to have to spend fighting it. And here's the amount of money that it's going to cost you to fight it. Yeah, it makes you – Want to abide by the rules, you would think, right? You would would think. All right, where do you want to go next on the text line? That was just some interesting perspective, I thought, from a guy who works in athletics and uh, or a gal that works in athletics and just kind of shared their own personal frustration with, you know, how people have kind of viewed the role of and battled with the NCAA. Would you like a little hoops uh, response? Yeah, it's been too long without some hoops, Josh. Squirrel. 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 Uh, Pump the brakes, Plank. Sooners were the beneficiaries of a sad K-State effort. Most of the game was an ugly baby contest. Sooners were gifted the game. Whoa. Oh, come on Gifted? Come on, squirrel. I mean, I've watched bad teams play disinterested teams and still lose. So you can feel how you want about this. You can have whatever take you want. I, as dis boy, that was a really, really, bad, really bad start to that game. <laughs> you can have all of those takes you want, and it's fine. It's your world. It's your mind. I can't change it. But you still won by twenty, and you didn't play all that well. You shot terribly from the three point line. You shot terribly from the free throw line. You had a big day from uh, Jalen Moore. You got a big game for Javion McCollum. Uzan uh, didn't do anything but yet played great defense. So I'm – count me in that crew, Josh, that's more apt to give a little pat on the back and a little uh, kind of dab up to OU for its defensive effort, regardless of how out of it Kansas State was last night. I thought it was a beautiful win. Every ugly victory right now is a beautiful win for Oklahoma. They needed it in the uh, worst way on the road. The uh, 806 to the uh, – 
conversation we were having earlier, which was how the heck did OU win this game by 20 points when you missed 15 free throws, uh, did not shoot it well from the outside, the 806. The question isn't how do you win last night? The real question is how do you win by 20 last night? <laughs> it's a great point. It's like, not, how did you win? You were that bad and you won? That's, that's, that's been this show today when we talk about this game from last night, right? That's been this show. Every single time we bring up that game, every single time we break up bring up Oklahoma's win, I, I I take what I watched and then I go look at the box score and I say they won by 20? <laughs> it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense how that happened last night. Pretty awesome. Vinny Paul out of the 918. I like, I like Vinny. A win is a win. However, K-State looked so disinterested in playing basketball last night. It was like, well, we can't beat you, but we'll beat you up and hope we can steal a win. And then uh, one more here. This will speak to our hearts. The 918 says, that was Iowa versus Iowa last night of basketball. (laughs) I was going to say, Josh thinks it's beautiful because he watched enough Iowa football (laughs) this year. I'm I'm conditioned for ugly. I am prepared for it. Oh, man. It it hasn't been a – it hasn't been a high-volume day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, but what we've got has been really, really good. Hey, um, I, wanted, I wanted to real quick before we grab a break uh, give a quick little shout-out to one of our shows. You know me, I'm not, the, I'm not the smartest whenever it comes to recruiting or I, I'm not someone that probably covers it like a majority of you wants or, dare I even say, demand of people that cover this team. But yesterday I happened to be in my car at a time that I'm usually not. And I was listening to locked in with Tyler and with Parker Thune. And I just have to say, if you get mad at me, I'm pulling you in on this too, Josh, if you get mad at me or Josh by either a, the lack of recruiting talk or, or B not having too terribly much recruiting insight, then you need to make sure that you have the ref locked in from two to three. Because I literally, I got to listen to two segments. I went to the podcast and listened to the rest of the show because I don't know, well, I do know. There is not a show like that anywhere on the radio dial. That is just a full hour of talking about recruiting, where we are, where we're going. Now, I know that show's probably tough during the summer for Parker and Tyler, but Tyler's a very creative guy. But holy smokes, Josh. If you get mad at me and you're like, you guys don't talk enough recruiting, got you covered. Because Parker Thune and Steely from noon to two. But from two to three, dude, just a diehard hour of recruiting talk. Who's visiting? Who isn't? Who do they want to visit? What's the process in trying to get them to visit? Where is Oklahoma in that 25 class right now? Dude, I – bravo, boys. Yeah, no, they, they do a really good job with that, with – Tyler's sort of uh, driving the bus and doing a little content creation. And then, of course, Parker's living it every second. So, yeah, it's it's good stuff. And if you don't catch it live, then it's right there for you at podcast side always. All right, quick break. When we come back, we will uh, put a wrap on hour number two already from the OU Coaches Luncheon right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I just realized, Josh, last day of January. Yeah, this What's is the- it. What does the Chick-fil-A countdown clock say to the Sooner opener against Temple? Can you see it from there? I can see it. 213 days, right. 6 hours, 3 minutes, 
And zero seconds, Mark. All right. Okay. We're getting there. Uh, month of January, I did okay in following my New Year's resolutions. I did okay. I wouldn't say it was a success. Yeah, I need, I need I to would, uh, pick it up. I would say the foundation has been laid. <laughs> it just took me a month to do it. All right, some text. Let's get some text real quick. The, uh, from the 405. If they could just figure out a way to bring back the rule of having to set out one year, if you transfer um, – with, I don't know what word he's trying to use here with remedy, but if you transfer with remedy, most of these programs, uh, most of these programs, no one's going to pay a kid five hundred thousand dollars to transfer if he's got to sit out. I may maybe he's saying it would remedy the problem. I don't know, but I will add. Wait, read that again. No, I can't because there's too many spelling errors. Okay, okay. The point just, is, just move on. I'm if sorry. We, if we get rid of the one year penalty. Bro, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If we reinforce the sit out a year when you transfer. Dude, they just won. West Virginia just won in court for the second transfer. Yeah, Just so won in court. We're not going back. Yeah, yeah. That, it's a great idea, but the toothpaste is out of the tube in that one. If we could get back to where the only way you can graduate, the only way you could transfer freely is as a graduate transfer, I think it would help it out a lot. But again. I don't think it's happening. Toothpaste, meat, uh, tube, it's gone. Try to put it back in a tube sometime. Just take a few minutes. Try. See what happens. All right. I get to hang with you guys for a little bit more. Then Connor and Josh will take over. We'll do kind of a mini top five stories of the day next right here on The Ref.